Hello, everybody. Andrew Gamison here with the Speaking for Him podcast. So grateful that you've chosen to spend some time with us today. I'm very excited about what I have to share with you. You know, I love doing movie reviews, and typically I will review a movie quite a bit after it has been out in theaters or, you know, released. We can't really talk as much about theatrical releases these days because with the COVID-19 pandemic and everything related to it, movies have had to pivot along with everything else. But all that to say, I usually, it takes a week or two or even longer to review movies. You know that the last week I reviewed for you, Selfie Dad, which had been out for about a year um, by the time I reviewed it. But today I get to review a film that just came out this past Friday. It was released to Netflix. It originally had a theatrical plan, but as I said, COVID-19 got in the way, and so they decided to release it on Netflix. It released Friday, June 18th, so just a few days ago. I had the opportunity to watch it a couple times already, and it was it blessed me very much, and so I'm excited to share it with you. Um, it is called Fatherhood, and we'll get into that more as we go along in this episode. But first, I want to talk to you about what is going on. Well, I want to start out with a local story, uh, because as you know, we've all been trying our best to recover from the COVID-19 pandemic and all the things that it means. We've had our businesses and other things at limited capacity for the past 15 months, um, but our governor uh, made an important announcement a few days ago about the opening up of the state of Michigan. Michigan's, Michigan's COVID-19 restrictions are coming to an end next week. Governor Whitmer announced today the state will open to full capacity on June 22nd. That's 10 days earlier than originally scheduled. According to the state, a downward trend in new COVID-19 cases accelerated the process. Ultimately, this will end 15 months of various restrictions in Michigan. 13 on your side, Snape Belt is live in downtown Grand Rapids with more on the orders that will soon be lifted. Yeah, guys, beautiful night here in downtown Grand Rapids, and people are going to be feeling even better once they hear these restrictions coming to an end. Over a week early, they were supposed to end on July 1st, now the beginning of next week. So here's some things you can look forward to, including coming out to places like Van Andel Arena here, where you can come inside. Now, indoor venues like entertainment venues, like restaurants, like uh, weddings and funerals, gyms, things like that, there are going to be no capacity limits anymore. You can now have 100% capacity in those locations. Now, the state is also no longer going to require anyone to wear masks inside uh, buildings as well. Now, this is going to end officially nine different emergency orders, that some of which have been in effect since April of last year. It is so long, guys, and we, have, we are finally getting there, getting back to normal. I know people are excited about it. Now, state health officials also say some guidelines are still going to remain in place for 
a few vulnerable populations like long-term care, assisted living places, uh, prisons, and some agricultural businesses as well. Now, as for schools, guidance for them will be coming next week. Guys, reporting live in Grand Rapids, sending it back to you. And Michigan is one of the last states to lift all of its COVID-19 restrictions. On Tuesday, Michigan will be the 46th state to fully reopen. There are four states with restrictions still in effect. Those are all on the West Coast, and they include Hawaii, New Mexico, Oregon, and Washington. So needless to say, I am very excited about this development in things as far as uh, the COVID-19 restrictions here in Michigan. I, I still remember back when the masking was reinforced and we were told that we had to wear masks everywhere that really limited my desire to get out and do more things. I remember coming to the end of my personal lockdown about 82 days in and going out on June 26th and enjoying some time outside of my home and getting some errands done. And I thought, well, maybe this will be the start of, of getting out and doing more things. But then uh, a few days later, the mandatory masking thing came down. So I really decided to stay at home more because of that, because I didn't want to put on a mask more than I would have to. I was actually legitimately concerned about feeling claustrophobic. Um, I tend to be slightly claustrophobic anyway, at least in small spaces, and the idea of putting something over my face was not an appetizing one. So I chose to really limit where I went, even for the rest of the summer, and then coming into the school year, I, of course, had to bite the bullet and get used to wearing a mask. And God was good and allowed me to get to the place where I could at least... Uh, feel somewhat comfortable with it, but I'm super excited for these restrictions to go away. I hope that uh, some of these events that we have been used to can come back. I'm really hoping for our prize to come back and for our movie theaters and sporting events to go to full capacity is a big deal. It kind of relates to what I was talking about in the intro when I talked about the fact that you know, movies have had to pivot and everything is releasing differently. So it'll be interesting to see how the movie industry moves forward from this, whether they're able to make what would be considered a full comeback or not. Um, but I'm just really excited that we're at a place where we can um, be unmasked and enjoying West Michigan as it should be enjoyed in freedom. And I just wanted to say something Again, and this is kind of review, but I think one thing that some people get upset at people as far as being anti-maskers masks about is that they think that they don't care about the virus. Listen, I know that the virus is real. I have a friend that's still fighting the virus after several weeks, so I do believe the virus is real. Uh, but I think that the masking thing, if handled better, could have been... Um, better accepted. For instance, if someone wants to wear a mask, even though we are unmasking as a state, they can. Nobody's going to stop them from wearing a mask, and I don't think anybody should shame someone for continuing to wear a mask. But I think what it came down to was just the fact that does the government 
have the right to decide that I have to wear a mask. And it's not even so much that they said, well, this is an executive order, so you have to wear a mask. I saw so many businesses where places said, this is the law, so you have to wear a mask. And and the bottom line for me through this whole thing was the governor does not have the right to make a law in this regard. And so I think hopefully we've learned some lessons and, you know, we can maybe hopefully have this be something that can be offered but would not be mandated. And I think that that would have gone over better. I think you're still going to see some places who want you to mask. And then you as the consumer can make the decision about whether to mask up to patronize that place. But I, I'm really glad that we're in a place where we can open up again and just excited for that eventuality. The next story that I want to talk about is a story that came out of the Supreme Court basically in this past week where they ruled 9-0 to zero in favor of Catholic Social Services of Philadelphia. Uh, and this 9-0 to zero decision was basically saying that the state of Pennsylvania was being discriminatory toward Cal toward Philadelphia Catholic Social Services and saying uh, you can't exempt them from being a part of the adoption process because of their beliefs. This is a question that's been lurking under the surface since gay marriage became the law of the land in 2015. In this case, the city of Philadelphia prevented a Catholic foster care agency from placing children because it doesn't consider same-sex couples. And the Supreme Court ruled that's unconstitutional. It was a unanimous decision with Chief Justice John Roberts writing the opinion. The refusal of Philadelphia to contract with CSS for the provision of foster care services unless it agrees to certify same-sex couples as foster parents cannot survive strict scrutiny and violates the First Amendment. This is a really landmark case for religious liberty. It's about the power of the government, whether the government can force you to change what you believe when you're trying to be a part of the solution, when you're trying to identify a social ill um, and really be there to, to make a difference. Child welfare advocates say at its core, Philadelphia's restrictions hurt children. I was praying, God, please, please give a win for the children. This is a win for the children. The city of brotherly love was established by William Penn as a haven for oppressed Christians seeking religious freedom. But in this case, the city targeted a Catholic organization. It was clear from the factual record that the city had it out for Catholic social services because of their views on same-sex marriage. In fact, multiple justices themselves during oral argument referenced the fact that they were essentially itching for a fight. And while critics argue this opinion hurts gay couples. I feel sad about it because it still uh, creates a situation where sort of that feels archaic 
archaic in 2021 where qualified LGBTQ couples can't contract with a government-funded foster care agency. Chief Justice Roberts points out no same-sex couple has ever sought certification from Catholic Social Services. And if it did, could be directed to one of more than 20 other agencies in the city that would assist them. Some wish the court had addressed this and other related issues, but still consider it a major win. This could have been uh, a broader ruling than what we got, um, but at the same time, we should be celebrating the ruling that we did get. And celebrate they are. It is important to note that this decision applies only to the city of Philadelphia. Jennifer Wishon, CBN News. I just want to say that I'm very grateful to have heard this decision, I was a little bit shocked that it was a nine to zero uh, position. Um, basically, they said that the Catholic Social Services had a right to discriminate based on their religious beliefs. And this means that even though there are struggles and even though this is not the end, uh, that the First Amendment is still alive and well in the United States of America, which is a very great thing. Now, I had heard that this could have been a broader-reaching opinion and still might have won uh, the opinion if it was a broader statement by like a 6-3 to three margin, but the Chief Justice decided to take up the narrower margin case which covered as was said in the story only philadelphia but this is still a win it's still a precedent that other cases can look to and say this is what you did in philadelphia why not here and my father has wisely pointed out that this came about because catholic social services sued the state of pennsylvania for the right to discriminate based on their religious practices. And one interesting thing that was pointed out is, first of all, that no LBGT people have appealed to be certified by Catholic Social Services yet. And the other point that was made in the interest of fairness was the fact that homosexuals have any number of other uh, agencies that they can go through for adoption that don't involve Catholic social services. Um, so it's interesting how these people will often key on these organizations that they know will be narrow in scope because it's more about an, an agenda than about a right. It's the same thing um, or very similar thing with the the Baker issue where a Christian Baker who had faithfully served these homosexual customers with no problem, said when it came to their homosexual wedding, I'm not going to bake your cake. And they said, he's discriminating against us. Um, we need to sue him for the right to have him make us a cake, rather than going to one of the other bakeries that probably wouldn't have had an issue. Because again, it's more about an agenda than about a right. And so I'm rejoicing today in the Supreme Court's decision uh, for this plaintiff in the case of Catholic Social Services of Philadelphia. And it would have been nice 
if um, Beth, Bethany Christian Services here in West Michigan particularly would have been willing to sue the state of Michigan for the right to maintain their practice of not allowing homosexual couples uh, to adopt. Why is this important? First of all, from a human standpoint, you look at it and you say, well, anybody should be able to adopt. It just seems really discriminatory to not allow them to adopt. But God created the family, and his definition of a family is one man, one woman for a lifetime, raising children to the honor and glory of God. That is God's definition of the family. And so when we go back to the blueprint of Scripture for how we define family, then we have to define adoption along those lines, especially if we are a Christian group that espouses a biblical worldview. That is what the Bible says. You know, a lot of times people will say that, that people like me are, are narrow-minded, that we are bigots. But, you know, God said, um, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. And so we need to be willing to stand up for the narrow way and to show ourselves different from the world. The Bible says to come out from among them and be separate. And I just wanted to take the time today to say how grateful I am that the Supreme Court sided with Catholic Social Services of Philadelphia and is allowing them to continue their worthy mission of trying to find these children homes, but being able to do that based on their religious convictions. Uh, Because it is a conviction. It's not just something where they're saying, we decided we don't like this group, so we're just going to not include them in this situation. It's it's a deep-held religious conviction based on the Bible, the definition of marriage as one man and one woman, and that being something that is important for the foundation of any family. Today, as I said, I'm going to be reviewing for you the Netflix original film, Fatherhood. And I really enjoyed this film. Um, And I'm going to share with you our quote of the day. Matt, the father in the film, says this, If you could have had only one parent, I wish you could have had your mom because she would have been better at it. And so I just really appreciated the honesty of that. I think that's one of the things that really sticks out to me about this film is the honesty with which uh, Matt approaches his situation. And I'll get into that a little bit more after you hear the trailer for the movie Fatherhood. Excuse me. She's been like crying for hours. Sorry, but this is a group for new mothers. Don't have son out there that says parents. I don't know how you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you had only one parent, I wish you could have had your mom. Because she would have been better at it. And mommy was the best. Go to sleep, Maddie. Maddie, go to sleep. Maddie, go to sleep. Go to sleep, Maddie. It's not working, though. That's wrong. 
She's not a clapper. Matthew, darling, we think you should move back to Minnesota. You're all alone here. She needs family. Raising a child is a nonstop, all day, all night affair. I love it. You look great. Don't say it just to be saying it. You look like a king. King of the sling. I think it's a new look. I think it's a new hairstyle that can catch on if given a chance. Mr. Logan, Madeline doesn't have a mother to model after. I am well aware of what my daughter doesn't have. You think you can do this, but you can't. No, man, you're right. I can't do it. But you know what? I'm going to do it because I'm a father. God, Maddie. Thank God today I got there in time to hold her hand. When Liz, I didn't get to hold her hand. She was gone. It's always just us. Other people have more people. I just want to do what your mom would have wanted me to do. You're trying to make everything perfect. <laughs> but we don't have any control. Wherever you are, I want to go there. Wherever you are, I want to go there too. Somebody's cutting onions or something close to us or something. I don't know. Hey, y'all gotta stop it. Oh. She would be so proud of you. <laughs> Two kisses. One for mommy. One for me. Hold on to me. So the first thing I want to say about this movie is I was unpleasantly surprised to find out that it was PG-13. When I first heard about it, I was hoping for a PG uh, family movie and I still think there's a lot of merit in this film, but because it is PG-13, there are some things to be aware of. Now, I did do some research this morning uh, before recording, and I found out that for $10 a month, you can activate an, a VidAngel account. Now, I've heard friends mention VidAngel and how there are certain movies that are worth watching um, by activating VidAngel, you can get some of the objectionable content out of the films and make them uh, very worthwhile because the story that is very good is still intact. And so I think, although I have not used VidAngel, I would say that this would probably be a good movie to VidAngel if you so choose. Now... The situation is, this reminds me of feature films for families. And feature films for families, I don't know if they still exist, but when I was growing up, they used to be like a subscription video service where you could get movies sent to you once a month. And for a while, we were getting those. And some of them were feature films for families originals, and were made as family movies. Other ones were edited into family movies, and you could tell where they had eliminated certain things or or muted a swear word here and there to make them more decent. And so I feel like VidAngel is kind of the modern equivalent of that, so that would be a good direction to go with this film. 
the premise of this film is based on a true story. And one of the first things that was interesting to me as I started researching this film, even before it came out and then watched it, was the fact that originally Channing Tatum was slated to do the title role. Now, I have a feeling that it would have been kind of a much different film if Channing Tatum had been the lead role. Because the first thing um, that was kind of different about real life is that Matt Hoagland, who the movie is about, uh, is actually white. But Kevin Hart plays the role. Now, I really think that Kevin has a lot of... um, good talent as an actor. Uh, I saw him in the upside. That was probably the first dramatic thing that I saw him in. And I really thought he was good in that. And so, um, he brings a really good dramatic sensibility to this film as well. So the synopsis of the film is uh, basically this, that, um, Matt Loglin, he and his wife are expecting a baby and they need to go into an emergency C-section because her amniotic fluid, um, the fluid that the baby rests in in the uterus, is low. And so they do the C-section, and things seem to go um, well. But about 27 hours later, that's according to Matt himself um, in a preview that I saw for his book, 27 hours later, Um, she dies because she gets a pulmonary embolism, a blood clot in her lung. And so all of a sudden, um, Matt Loglin is left with a one-day-old baby that he needs to raise without his wife. And he has in the film his mother and her mother who are willing and able to, to help out, but he says, this is my responsibility. I'm going to raise her. They, they want her to move, um, from Boston. I believe it is back to Minnesota to be near family. And so they can help out. He balks at that idea and says he's going to raise Maddie. So then the movie basically unfolds, uh, watching him deal with a lot of difficulties as he's learning to, um, put together the crib, uh, which is one thing that he mentions that he didn't do uh, ahead of Maddie's birth. And then, you know, just buying baby clothes, all these different scenarios that, uh, that a man typically wouldn't be in or at least would not be doing on their own. And he really, really struggles. He's very honest about his struggles. Um, There's no point in this film where it's like, oh, he just has it all together and everything is going well. Um, As a matter of fact, there's a point where he goes to a um, parent support group, which, of course, is mainly mothers, uh, because he says, I can't get my daughter to uh, quiet down. And then he talks about issues with her toileting um, as well and, and diaper changing all the things that mothers would typically deal with, but he's dealing with it as a single father. And then of course he's continuing to grieve, uh, with uh, the death of his wife through all of this. And his mother-in-law is struggling a whole lot too. I think, um, part of her is bitter at him. 
uh, because of the death of her daughter, even though she knows ultimately it's not her fault. Now, this is one area where I happen to know real life different because he said that my, the real Matt Logan said my mother-in-law never acted like that. She was always great for us. But I think the, the point that was being made in the film was probably the typical point of whenever something bad happens, we have to find someone to blame, right? Cause we, we don't like to think that as, you know, at least humanly possible, that there's no cause for this. We like to know um, there is a blame. You know, that's something that Job struggled with in the book of Job. I'm sure he he often said, why is this happening to me? And actually, the whole book of Job is him trusting God, trusting God, trusting God. But then at a certain point, he starts to get, well, maybe, maybe God isn't as good as I thought. And he starts to question God. And then God comes to him and puts him in his place by asking him questions and saying, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And can you draw Leviathan up with a hook? And all these things that we are not able to answer for ourselves. And so I, I think uh, Matt Matt had a similar story. And it's interesting, in, in the early part of the movie, his mom says, you'll get through this because the Lord is with you. So there is a, a religious component to this film. Um, so I, I think I, what I really liked is he had a great relationship with his daughter, even though it was fraught with struggle, even though there was difficulties, he prized his daughter. And I think he had a really good payoff because she says at one point, wherever you go, I want to be there. And he says, wherever you go, I want to be there too. And so you see the development of their relationship um, being so great. And then you see um, them just develop this great father-daughter dynamic. You see him get help and have people railing around him and... One subplot of the film is his friend from work matching him up with another young lady who happens to also be named Liz. Again, I don't know if this is part of the true story or if this was just thrown in for cinema magic, but it was really neat to see how that progressed too because they had their um, dating relationship and then after a while he brought his daughter in and of course he and this new lady really clicked well. And then, of course, he went through a, a crisis of conscience because through spending time with his girlfriend, he felt like he had neglected his daughter at a crucial point. I won't give away too much as far as that's concerned, but then he breaks it off with her for a while and then later toward the end comes back and realizes that he does need other people in his life and he does need um, this other lady who they end up calling Swan, I think so that they didn't have to refer to her as Liz or Lizzie, which was his wife's name. And I think it just showed a real process for how you deal with grief. There's a there's a pretty moving scene about how his his mother in law would go into uh, her daughter's bedroom, 
sometimes all day, every day for a while, and just lay there and smell the pillows and be among her daughter's things. And then as things progressed, she said, I, I've limited myself to one hour a day doing that. And I can remember uh, my own grieving process from when my brother died, how um, when it first happens, that's all you can think about. And then you, you get to a point where it still hurts when you think about it because the hurt never truly goes away, but you start to live again and you get hope. And especially for me, um, my um, spiritual dedication to the Lord really took a step up after the death of my brother. So I know that God used that difficult time to make me into who I am today and to give me the passion that I have today for ministry. And so that's some of the positives. Some of the negatives, as I said, it's PG-13. And I think maybe the initial idea of making it PG-13 was because of some of the real-to-life stuff that happened in the beginning with the medical emergencies and things of that nature. Um, But I also think, sadly, that the PG-13 rating allowed them to sneak innuendo and other stuff in there uh, that they wouldn't have necessarily if it if it wasn't PG-13. And they didn't need to to forward the story. I think that's what I was getting at. They didn't need these things to forward the story, but they're like, it's a PG-13 rating anyway. Let's stick this in there. And so I really wish that they had um, gone down to a PG. Um, th- there's, you know, quite a bit more... Uh, innuendos and sexual content than I would have anticipated for this film. So I'll just put that warning out there. But again, I do feel like there is um, some redeeming value to it. So I would really uh, recommend with caution uh, that you watch this. And as I said, VidAngel could make it much more watchable for you. I think the the biggest lesson that I took away from this film is that be grateful for what you have. There's a scene uh, where he is talking to his daughter. His daughter is asleep, um, and he's but he's talking to her and reflecting on the past years that they've been together, and he wants to give her some time with her grandparents and he needs to go and do some stuff for work. And he just, one of the things that stuck out to me was he said, thank you for taking care of me. And it was just kind of a reflection of the fact that we need each other, that it's not something where it was just him taking care of her, but that, but that she was really gave him a purpose for living. And there is a point early in the film uh, where she says, you his mother-in-law says you just want her um, because you need a life raft and she meant it as an insult but in a sense I think there was some truth there because her being there and needing him to take care of her gave him a reason for living and I've heard um, stories similar where that has been the case where somebody um, was born after a spouse dies and the other spouse is able to carry on because 
the person, the the baby needs them so much. And so I think there's merit there. Um, I think there's also the lesson of that God can bring beauty from ashes. Uh, sometimes when we're in the throes of grief, we don't realize what God's going to do. We don't think we're ever going um, to smile again or have a reason for living, but he learns through the process of time that, um, you know, wherever they are together, good things can still happen. And you get the impression at the end of the film that he and this new lady and his daughter Maddie are going to create a wonderful life together. Again, uh, that could be very much cinema magic, but I really liked that message as it was conveyed. So where does that leave us for this film? Uh, I would have to give this film a solid uh, three out of five stars. Um, Again, I would like to give it higher. Um, I think the storyline is amazing. I think the emotion um, and the frustration uh, that this father felt was very well conveyed by Kevin Hart. I think that the struggle of the girlfriend to be there for his character and to love him despite what he was going through and then him rejecting that at first, there was very much realism to it. And I think it can um, touch a lot of people and hopefully make a difference in their lives. But again, because of some of the content uh, that was really just throwaway, but they put it in there anyway, I have to bring the rating down to three out of five stars. But again, um, I applaud um, the makers of this film for telling this story. And I am very grateful to have been able to bring you a review thereof today. I hope that you have enjoyed this discussion. I, I hope that whatever you are going through, whatever griefs you may be facing, that you know that that God has said that if you are his child, he will never leave you or forsake you. And I know that there have been some rocky patches in my life. Um, I, I alluded to the one from the death of my brother, but you know, through all that time, God never left me and he held on to me tight um, through all the struggles that I've had in life, uh, whether it be with jobs or relationships God is so good. And so I hope that today you can see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And as I said, I think this film would be um, something worth watching, especially for the adults in the audience. And then, as I said, if you wanted to edit it, you could enjoy this with your family. Well, that's about all I have time for today on Speaking for him podcast, please let me know um, any feedback that you might have at the end of the show today. We'll be rolling the contact information, so I'd be glad to talk to you and communicate with you. And I just like hearing from anybody about how they feel about the podcast and how it is helping them. 
in their Christian life and to make good decisions for their family. I'm just so glad to have this outlet to speak to you every week. I hope that you have a wonderful week. And until next time, keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 